I'm running the race. I gotta pick up the pace. They throw in shape, but I'm gone. Welcome to the Rise Project, the place where you will learn how to thrive and grow in every aspect of life, family, entrepreneurship, personal development, tech, and marketing using real, raw, and 100% no bullshit proven tactics. My name is Ivan Temelkov, and I'm your host. I hope you weren't expecting anybody else. And today I'm joined on the podcast by the lovely Sandy Sanders. Good morning. Good afternoon. How are you? Hey, Ivan. How are you? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Sandy, before we we jump into a a conversation about where you've been, what you've seen, what you've done, talking about, you know, your experiences and your story, I want to introduce you to our listeners and viewers and tell them a little bit about your background. So, As an entrepreneur and influential trailblazer of change, Sandy has served several Fortune 100 companies, including IBM, American Express, MetLife, and AT&T. Sandy has presented with an Outstanding Career Achievement STEM Award by Women of Color Magazine. She possesses more than 25 years of broad-based leadership expertise in business development, sales, marketing, operations, and project management, and now helps professional women experts and digital entrepreneurs level up in their careers and businesses to secure the BAG. That's bodacious ass goal, man. I love that. That's what's <laughs> up. BAG bodacious ass goal. So you gotta get the bag. You gotta get the exactly. bag. <laughs> I love it. You gotta get the bag. So Sandy, you know, a uh, phenomenal, phenomenal, you know, intro and, uh, you know, so much experience. I mean, you've done a lot working with a lot of fortune companies, but let's take this way back. You know, let's go way, way, way back. You know, tell us a little bit about, you know, your background, your story, you know, like, like uh, growing up, where you've been, what you've seen, and how did you get to working with these fortune 100 companies? Oh my. So, well, it's a little bit different, I guess. I did not growing up think I was going to be a corporate America um, young lady. And, Mm -hmm. and honestly speaking, I really didn't think that I would be in sales. When I grew up, I thought I was going to be an attorney. That was my forte. You know, I I can tell you, I I can, and I I think I had this gift very young, you know, and I don't say I interrogate, but I have a way with questioning to figure out exactly what I need to figure out for someone from someone. Um, But that ended up transitioning into being a great salesperson, especially a consultative salesperson, because I can dig and uncover opportunities and needs that people didn't know that they had. So mm-hmm. anyway, I thought I'd go into to, um, law school and, and become an attorney. I grew up in Chicago, suburban Chicago, the youngest of uh, three. I had two older brothers, so that made me a tomboy. I probably have um, stitches in so many different parts of my body, like nobody would ever imagine, because I was always and they would dare me to do things that it just probably wasn't fair, but it is what it is. But in any case, um, thought I'd go to law school and, um, but I figured I would major in, I would major in business so that I can probably pursue corporate law. I wanted to litigate. And it turned out that I did my first internship, not first internship. I got to work for 3M as my first internship, but my first internship with IBM, which was the summer before my junior year in college, was mm-hmm. in their marketing department. So I got to work with and help and support as a marketing support rep, their salespeople. And I was mm-hmm. like, this sales life is the shit. Like, I mean, really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm 
I'm like, they can be out of the office. They make a lot of money. You know, they yeah. get to go around. I'm like, oh, you know, I think I could do this sales thing. So I changed my major to marketing. Um, graduated from Ohio State, got my MBA from um, Florida State in marketing as well um, with the sales uh, focus, but been working in sales leadership and business development ever since and uh, found that I was really good at it. And and that really became my forte. Um, So I had the chance of working with IBM, American Express. Mm -hmm. I went to MetLife. Um, I had a stint where I had my own insurance brokerage in between the time. But when I went back to MetLife, it's when my kids, you know, got older and I decided I'm going to go back and, and climb the corporate ladder and um, then went to AT&T after that. So that was a little bit about kind of how I got to where I did. Um, AT&T was post-recession for me. Uh-huh. So there was a lot of learnings that ended up getting me not only from the time I got to AT&T, but how my career really catapulted post the recession. So, but yeah. that's how I got there. Yeah. Live in Florida right now. Love it. I have a 28 year old daughter who lives in Atlanta and a 25 year old son who lives in California. Okay. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Um, so while you were getting into sales and marketing and you were experiencing all of this, was there something that, you know, was kind of pulling you in that you can think of that? I mean, besides, obviously, you know, sales is kind of you pave your own path and then, you know, creating unlimited income potential, obviously. But besides that, was there something that you can think back that really just kind of reeled you in, kept you, you know, motivated and interested to get into that field? To get into sales? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I just think it was the freedom, the flexibility, and the, mm-hmm. the income. <laughs> yeah. And I was good at it. It was sure. easy to me. Like, you know, I could say I could sell water to, you know, ISO Eskimo, right? Um, but sure. it just came natural. And I really enjoyed solving problems and helping people discover the solutions to problems that they may not even know that they had. Sure, sure. I had to ask that question because uh, for a couple of different reasons. So uh, one of the things that that we talk about on the podcast is, you know, a why and a purpose. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's one part of it. And so I didn't know if there was like a why or purpose that was kind of driving you. And the other part is you'd be surprised that, especially in the entrepreneurial world, I'm sure you can relate to this. How many people are not natural to a lot of things? Oh, yeah. Uh, Like it just doesn't come natural to them. It's not something that like you know, you're passionate about, or you wake up every morning and say, okay, you've got that sense of gratitude and humbleness. And Mm -hmm. like, for me, why and purpose is my kids and my family. And of course, you know, I'm really good at what I do, but I love what I do. Not only that I'm really good at it. So, and I think that really plays a huge part into Mm -hmm. how you invest your time and what you do with your time in your life, because we spend probably, I think I was reading this recently, what a third or maybe a quarter of our life or more working basically mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you're, you're spending your time making a living right because it's not like you just wake up every day and it's like oh it's a beautiful day yeah. you know i'm not going to do anything <laughs> today right? You, right everybody's got to make a living somehow right and so that was why i was asking you know if there was something but it sounds like it came natural to you, you really enjoyed it uh you found a way that, that you could contribute you found a way you know, to solve problems, which uh, I agree with you with sales and marketing, a huge part of it is, you know, solving problems and being very mm-hmm. creative. And yeah, that's 
that's that's hard for a lot of people, even though a lot of people say that they can do it. Yeah, I'm a solution person. Right. But like push comes to shove and then like they can't put two and two together. And it's like, wait, wait, you said you're good at this, right? Like, right. It doesn't come natural <laughs> to you. So let me ask you this. So obviously, you know, you've worked with uh, a lot of prominent brands like IBM and, and American Express and, and MetLife and, of course, post-recession uh, AT&T. I'm curious in your own thoughts. Obviously, these are Fortune 100, you know, brands. I'm curious, you know, initially when you engage with these brands, what was some can you recall back like your initial impression? Was there something that you resonated? You were like, oh, my God, maybe you didn't expect that. Or can you think of something that kind of stood out to you when you work with these brands? Well, I'll tell you, um, corporate America is very, very different than the entrepreneurial world. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, I spent 25 years in corporate America. So obviously I was an employee and executive with several of those companies. Um, until I left in 2019, that's when I left AT&T after eight and a half years there. Several roles, several movement, um, really climbed the ladder quickly. When I left, I was um, responsible for national business marketing for all 5,500 of their retail stores. And, um, but I tell you, the last probably three years, and I'll say AT&T was good to me. Like I yeah. will never say, you know, they were good to me. But I tell you, those last couple of years, it was the time you, you talk about why your why, yeah. right? It was the time where I was making a lot of money. I, you know, can't complain about that, but yeah. I was not fulfilled, right? I wasn't living a life of purpose and passion at that point in time. Um, I was also going through the latter stages of my mother's 11 year journey with Alzheimer's. Mm. And that journey ended in October of 2019. And I can remember, and I tell this story um, often at this point in time, because it really shaped for me what I did at that point in time yeah. in 2019. So there's two pivotal moments in my life. Number one was the recession of 2008. Number two was pre-pandemic, pre-recession, right? In 2019, when I, when I lost my mom. It's just really interesting how those two times in my life parallel, but, and I'll talk about the latter first being, um, when I lost my mom, I was working when I tell you overworked, stressed, yeah. burnout, overwhelmed, you know, to the tune that people don't really understand the stress impacts you physically. Right. So I'm at right. the chiropractor every week, you know, back knotted up and everything and, and just hate it my job. I hated what I did, even though I was impactful. Okay. Yeah. I did a great job. Right? right. But I, I didn't wake up every morning, you know, excited about what I needed to do. It was a chore and a drag. And, um, and, you know, I'm traveling. I was in Atlanta at the time. My mom is living in Chicago. I'm living in Dallas. And, and I remember that Monday, before she passed, actually, I was just struggling with just drama related to work. And I'm in tears that night and thinking, this is just ridiculous. I'm thinking about my mom. And I said, I'm going to take FMLA. I'm just going to stop working, you know, go to Chicago and spend these last months with my mother and whatever happens, you know, then I'll pick back up afterwards. You know, I'll do whatever it takes. I know I won't have income, but whatever. 
And then the next morning I'm in a meeting and I get a call from her nurse saying, I know you're going to be here Friday because my plan was to leave from there to go home to Dallas Wednesday and then fly to Chicago on Friday. She said, but I don't think she's going to make it through Friday. So, you know, I'm scrambling, leave, go get my stuff, drop off the rental car, get to the airport, you know, get to literally get on the plane. It was the last flight out a few minutes before they closed the door, get there. And then she passed about one o'clock in the morning. And, um, and I thought at that moment, like, I made this decision that I was going to take FMLA, like, I can't technically take FMLA anymore. But I decided, I'm still going to leave. You Mm -hmm. know, this is what's best for me. This is a decision I made. And I'm I'm going to actually start a new chapter in my life. But what I realized, the reason why I was so stressed and hated what I did was because I wasn't in my zone back to what I was passionate about. Right. right? And that is making an impact. I love sales. I love driving sales. But more important, what I really loved about my sales leadership role, I I had 450 salespeople on my team at at one point in time. Um, And I was the professional development director of a 14,000 member employee resource group. I loved coaching. I loved helping people achieve their goals. And I said, you know what? I want to do more of that. And I'm going to take some time to figure it out. And, um, and the rest kind of became history. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. as you were, as you were talking about, you know, that, that pivotal point where you went from AT&T to basically realizing that you weren't fulfilled. um, There's something there that, that I I don't think a lot of people realize now. I think even, you know, I guess we could call it post pandemic is this that Mm -hmm. I think for a very long time, uh, we as human beings, and, and even nowadays, are conditioned to to think in a certain way, to to believe uh, in a certain way, to to believe everything we see. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, TV, news, you know, you name it. We're conditioned, right? And right. Um, I actually had a very interesting discussion recently uh, with someone who we talked about kind of the traditional path, mm-hmm. what that traditional path is. Like you said, traditional path is you know right. you got a job, corporate America. You were making a pile of cash, but you weren't satisfied. Mm-hmm. You know, you weren't fulfilled. And it's mm-hmm. so ironic because I think we're seeing now, especially post-COVID, when I think there's a tremendous amount of opportunity, tremendous, tremendous amount oh, yeah. of opportunity from an economical standpoint. More and more mm-hmm. people are slowly realizing that, hey, I can actually harness my potential. You know, right. I can actually go after my goals and dreams. I can go after, like you said, you know, you had enjoyed coaching, you are part of this ginormous group, but you were doing it from a corporate standpoint, which is really different because the way you attack those people is, let's just face it. It's like, you know, corporate sales is that you got to meet the quota, right? Right. Don't meet the quota. You suck, you know? (laughs) So from, but from an entrepreneurial standpoint, it's like, you know, yes, you have a quota, but it's not like the end all be all, right? Because there's a lot more to that. So it's interesting that you were talking about this. So I think that's where, you know, I want to segue into, I think you decided to, you know, uh, to, to make the magic leap, which -hmm. I understand is a trademark out of corporate America and built a successful multi six figure business, helping female experts and entrepreneurs level up from zero to six figures or six to seven figures by helping them start sale or scale their business with their 
unique offer. So you took the experience you got out of corporate America and you just said, you know what? Like, this is much bigger than me. This is much bigger than corporate America. This is about yeah. giving people back, which I think that is really where you hone in on that purpose. Exactly. You know, you realize that, okay, I can take my seasonality, my experience that, that I've acquired through corporate America and applied by helping other fanpreneurs, you know, uh, entre just entrepreneurs, people who are have goals and dreams, but they just don't know how to go from zero to six and beyond, you know, in building uh, their businesses. So let's talk a little bit about, about that. Let's spend a couple minutes, you know, talking about that, that magic leap and, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, how does it work? How does it, you know, help out of fanpreneurs, entrepreneurs, you know, in what ways do you help them basically say, okay, I hate my job. You know, I'm, I'm, and ironically, I know if I had someone who actually reached out to me on Facebook and it was like mind boggling, I was like, well, my job, I make 150K plus, you know, per year, but I'm not fulfilled. So let's talk about that. How do you, how do you help people in that capacity? You know, it's interesting because um, when I left corporate, that's not what I thought I was going to be doing. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you end up having, you know, I've had a couple pivots along the way, um, but I also believe in the law of attraction. And when you take steps to you know, uh, you know, uh, fulfill your destiny, then the universe is, is going to take steps to meet you, right? And you're sure. going to end up where you're supposed to be. So, um, but I started out um, consulting and didn't do that on purpose either. Someone asked me, I said no a few times, they asked me to help them. And then I was like, okay, I'll do this. Maybe I'll consult with you. And then it just grew, right? Um, but then I went back to, but I want to do more coaching. So, I began to do coaching for uh, career coaching for mm -hmm. pretty much middle managers who are trying to make that leap up to that next level. The hardest level is to get to that director and executive level, but yeah. I did it. Right. Sure. And so I, I knew how to do it. And that was um, the three pieces, success, purpose, plan, and preparation, which I wrote about. And I discovered after what I went through in the 2008 recession, um, but I wrote about it in a book that I co-authored that was called The Purpose Driven Woman. And um, and so the, the thing that really was important for me in terms of making that magic leap is what attracted people to me mm -hmm. and asking how can they do the same thing I did, right? And that's when I began to pivot from more career coaching to helping coach entrepreneurs to make that leap themselves. And then again, I began working with more women. So I continue to narrow and fine tune my niche, which is kind of where I am right now in terms of helping women entrepreneurs um, secure that bag, the bag, the BAG is that bodacious right. ass goal, whatever it is, right, for them. Um, but I, there's a couple things that's a part of that. Number one, you talked about, and that's your purpose. Because so many people say they want to do something and they want to make that leap. They want to have their own business, but they struggle with what is it that they should do. And I say, you have to look inside. You've got to figure out what your purpose is. Well, how do I discover my purpose? You've got to figure out what you're good at naturally, like what comes right. natural to you, what you enjoy, and not just, you know, what you enjoy from a passion perspective, but you've got to look at why you enjoy that. Yeah. what makes it, what makes you so passionate about it, right? 
And then you've also got to look at the kind of problems that you can solve, right? Sure. And what people need, maybe what you are good at from an expert perspective, what type of transformation you've made, what you've accomplished. And when you combine those three and now decide what problem you can solve, but more importantly, what's a problem that somebody will pay for. <laughs> so that's right. the profitability perspective. When your passions intersect with profitability, then that's when you discover your purpose because you can be passionate right. about something and it's just a hobby, right? Yeah. But it's got to be a problem that you can solve that somebody can pay you for. And so when you discover that purpose, um, that's what will help take you down the path of making that leap. So it's twofold. Number one, you've got to be prepared with a purpose and a plan, you know, and take the right preparation. On the preparation side, you also have to, I say, have at least a six-month cushion. Yeah. It may not be your income, but it definitely should be at least your six months of expenses, right? And then you're right. going to have to be prepared to attack your purpose and your plan with pit bull tenacity. You need to go and show up every day and work just like you're working for corporate America. Right. Um, and, and, and so all that kind of starts in my mind with, the mindset. So I have a rise formula for my clients that I work through to help them get from point A to point B, right? And that is rising above the competition, rising above whatever circumstances, rising out of where you are to where you want to go. And the R in rise is for reset. That's resetting your mind. That's all the preparation in your mind that needs to actually take place. The I is identify. You've got to identify your niche identify the opportunities, identify your passion, mm -hmm. all of that. And, and there's a difference that people use, identify or pick a target market. There's a difference between a target market and a niche, okay? And most people fail when, when I'm working with clients and entrepreneurs that are, you know, having a problem, they, they've reached a plateau or they're not really getting more than two or three clients and they're trying to take it to that next level. It's because they have a target market, but they don't have a niche. OK, so they've got to drill a lot further, drill a lot deeper. You've got to be that big fish in the small pond versus the small fish in the ocean. So I really help them fine tune and identify their niche and determine what problems they can actually solve for their their, um, you know, clients. And then the S is is creating that scalable offer, the solution. Right. And being able to. Um, solve the problems for that niche. And then the E is execute. Execute with sales, with sales strategies and make sure that you're able to turn those browsers into buyers. So mm -hmm. that's the formula that I use um, to help my clients really secure that bag, whether they're starting a, um, their unique offer or they're yeah. wanting to scale it and grow it. You know, there's all those things that you mentioned, um, kind of going Leo with one of the one of my favorite quotes by Tony Robbins is that, you know, 90% of business is psychology and 10% is execution. And uh, in other words, is you know, you could be a phenomenal executioner, right? But if the psychology is not ticking and talking, then you're probably going to fail. Now, the other thing that, that you mentioned is the S is part of rise. I think that's really important that people don't understand, especially new entrepreneurs is that when you're creating solutions, not only have to be good at them, but you have to look for really big problems. But yeah. even that, even then is, let's say you find a really big problem 
the, the problem is contingent upon your target audience as well. So you can have, you know, your, uh, a really big problem. Someone could have a really big problem, a potential client, but if they're not willing to pay to solve that problem, then they're not your ideal customer, your avatar, so to speak. That's right. And I know personally, this is something that I learned the hard way a long time ago, that if you don't find the right buyer persona, they might have a giant problem. But look at it this way. Someone, um, you know, might have a giant problem. If they're not, if they're not an ideal customer, they might pay you $500 for it. Or your right. ideal customer will pay 5000 or more because they understand how essential it is to fix that problem. And usually big problems actually have a correlation and attribution to other things in business. Uh, So they really have, they're kind of like an epicenter. Like if you look at it, like a crystal ball, an epicenter, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. that really affect a lot of, a lot of other things. So, and this is something that I think a lot of entrepreneurs um, just don't understand how that plays a part. So I'm glad you mentioned solution because sure, you know, you can be good at creating solutions to problems, but then finding the right buyer that's willing to pay for that big problem. Um, So, okay. uh, Well, that's speaking to those pain points, right? You've got to speak to those pain points so they understand because it's the pain points that's going to determine the value or what it's worth to that individual. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting that you say that because obviously, you know, working for, you know, several, you know, Fortune 100 companies, but also working on different extremes with frontline, say retail employees all the way up through, you know, executive leadership. But I always was able to connect with the frontline employees because I understood where they were coming from. And I was always able to be the right voice when I'm in, you know, at the table with the senior leaders. But there will be many a times where, you know, I'd be talking to frontline employees and they complain about, and this is mindset, right? They complain about, you know, chairman of the boards and CEOs and how much they make. I said, you have to understand you are directly compensated for the type of problems you can solve. Okay. Right. You make what you make because you solve small problems or no problems at all. They make seven figures per year because they solve seven figure problems that other people can't solve. So you hit the nail right on the head. And that's why I work with my clients. What types of problem can you solve? And that's going to determine your price point and your value proposition and ultimately help you continue to fine tune your niche or your ideal target customer. You said uh, something that's really important, too, is you talked about the pain points also, and you really got me thinking. That was an excellent point, actually, that, that, that brought a lot to mind, especially for someone like me that's been in the digital and the marketing field for 25 plus years, that I've understood that I think, like you said, you're absolutely right, that the pain, understanding the pain points, I think, determines how much it creates the emotion, Yes. It creates an emotion because when it creates a valiant emotion and then you can mm-hmm. justify, okay, it's a really big problem. And then they talk about it and talk about it and they extrapolate it, elaborate mm-hmm. upon it. And they give you experiences mm-hmm. and this and this and this They're like, Hmm, mm-hmm. okay, this is a really big problem because they're prying mm-hmm. on it. That means that if they're yeah. prying on it and they establish that emotion, you're like, all right, mm-hmm. I can, I can come in here. Here's my yep. price. I can solve this problem. I yeah. think they're going to be willing to pay for it. And I think it's tactical, right? It's, it's a tactical yeah. approach of how you tackle that to be able to determine of, 
you know, are they a valiant customer, a valiant potential customer or someone who's just fishing to see what they can get out of you from a value standpoint? So that's that's a really good point that you made on 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 pain. Um, I want to talk about so you have a podcast that you started called Career Chic Confidential uh, as well that, you know, helps uh, uh, women specifically um, by providing proven, actionable, purpose driven success and career tips to help them accelerate growth and propel into uh, their future. But you also are starting uh, a new community that I want to talk about called Career Chic Collective that helps women build uh, that courage. So let's talk a little bit about Career Chic uh, Collective in that community. And let's talk about how, because uh, I was actually mentioning this yesterday, because I think I'm like on a streak of fanpreneurs, at least over the <laughs> last several months on the show. And I've always been a huge fan, you know, of more fun, uh, just, just fanpreneurs in general, because I think, you know, entrepreneurship has been predominantly a male driven sport yes, for a very long time. And I saw the word courage actually uh, that you mentioned in career chic uh, collective, which I think courage and boldness is something that a lot of fanpreneurs have struggled with. Yeah, it wasn't a matter of I'm incapable, I'm not talented or skilled. It was a matter of am I courageous enough to penetrate a predominantly male driven arena? Can I go out there? So let's talk a little bit about the community and tell us a little bit about, you know, how other fanpreneurs can benefit from that. Absolutely. So a couple things it is. And I'm glad we you mentioned it. It's career chick, you know, so it's interesting because I've had people reach out to me and say, well, you know, you're pronouncing it wrong, especially when I first started the podcast (laughs) in in December, like Korea, it's it's C-H-I-C is pronounced chic. I said, well, in French, maybe it is, but here it's chick. And chick is a slang word for, you know, kind of that sexy, classy woman, right? And, um, And so I, and, and I also said, well, you know, did they tell the founder of Chick Jeans, which is spelled C-H-I-C, back in the 80s that he was pronouncing his brand wrong? No, it's Chick. And so the career Chick brand, you know, stands for that, that um, genuine, confident, magnetic woman, mm-hmm. you know, who is stunning in her mind, body, and soul, you know, who is, you know, very... Uh, who's an expert in her career or her business and who is just really committed to making an impact on those around her. That's that chick, right? And so that's what kind of the brand is about. And what I found is that not only in business, obviously with my corporate America experience and me being Mm -hmm. not only a minority in terms of being African-American, but just being a woman in leadership is also, you know, it's a struggle for most, you know, we yeah. have to fight. And the same applies as far as entrepreneurship is concerned. But we as females are our own worst enemy. Like, we doubt ourselves. And, and, and I remember there was a Harvard, Harvard study that was done and about self promotion, and women and self promoting and, and but I saw it literally firsthand when I would work with you know, those who either worked on my team or that I mentored or coached while I was in corporate America, they 
women will always say, well, I got to do this first, or I got to get this degree, or I got to take this certification, or I should have this much more experience before I go for that job. And I'm like, dude, you're ready. Like you're ready right yep. now, you know, yep. but I, I would coach the men and they're like, ah, I got that. And they got half the experience. Don't know. I'm like, what is this? Yep. <laughs> like, why do you not understand that? And so we feel like we've got to be 150% qualified and ready, you know, whereas yep. men, you guys are like, ah, I can do that. And yep. really, and we can do a better job. I'm just saying, right? <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You know, speaking of that is um, that's a very good point because yes, I think, I think men are, are generally, well, I, this is not necessarily true, but they are from an entrepreneurial standpoint, tend to be more fearless meaning that, you know, I got this, I'll take a stab at it. I got a 50, 50% chance women, right? Like you said, they feel like they, they need more preparation to be yep. able to go, go in. It's kind of like um, a while back, there was this analogy is if you look at a pond and there's these paddle boats, right. And you've got men and women, right. And the challenge is how to get to the other side of the pond, right. Men are like, all right, I'm jumping in the boat. I'm going to paddle my ass over there. Right. Women are like, Hmm, let's analyze this. What's the tactical approach to this, which is important, but you yeah. got to be proactive and take action. And I, and I yeah, feel dude. like I know this for a fact that the women are just as if not more fearless than men. Right. But I think it's sort of that that, um, you know, that, that 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 hold kind of like that, that they feel like they're incapable. They're not bold enough or courageous uh, enough or, or they need more experience. And and entrepreneurship that is perfection. Like the, they feel yes. like they have to have it all together. It's yep. that perfectionism. And I and you know, I always say done is better than perfect. Right. And right. an imperfect action beats delayed procrastination every single time, every mm -hmm. single time. Like you got to just do it, you know, in the right. words of Nike. Right. Take that step. Right. And that's the only way. And, and, and again, I believe in the law of attraction, too. When you start taking those steps, the universe is going to support you and push you through to what you need to do. But, yeah, yep. fear is fear is huge. And you know, that perfectionism is a problem as well. And, um, and that's what prevents them from having the courage to step out of their comfort zone. And then the fear yeah. of failure, you know, it's not really yeah. the fear to start it and do it. It's the fear of failure that becomes a really huge problem or even kind of isolation. If you think about it, like, what are people going to think about me? So that's the other reason why. So that's the reason from an entrepreneur perspective where I said, I'm going to start the yeah. collective. Um, and I'm in the process of launching it now. It will be a free community. So, you know, there is no cost to um, the ladies, but it is really important in my opinion, especially for female entrepreneurs and what I call solopreneurs, right? To be able to have a resource of like-minded women who are either going through what they have gone through or are going through, right? right? Or who have already been there and can provide support and resources. And then the networking, right? And the connection, very yeah. conscientious connection. So, you know, yeah, the Career to Collective, I say is, um, you know, where I would help provide that courage, that confidence, um, competencies, 
really conscientious connection, you know, a place of comfort, right? And I said, not let's not forget those coins. Like, how do we get the coins out of it? Right. right. So that's really important. So that is kind of the free community I'm working on. And then what goes beyond that is we have paid resource or paid membership called the Career Chick Click. Mm-hmm. But it is actually going to be what it take it to the next level as it relates to kind of a mastermind group with mm-hmm. very, you know, a much more limited group of, of ladies that are really focused on honing in and solving their biggest business problems. Um, I am all about lifestyle and travel. And I tell you, I I hit a point just a few months ago, I've really been on a sabbatical almost for the last two to three months. Mm -hmm. I had to have rotator cuff surgery and I had a panic attack. I tell you, Ivan, I've never had a panic attack in my life. I would see people on TV. I'm like, it's my real, just fucking breathe. Like, breathe. Like, well, like, I don't understand what's happening there. And, um, you know, and I'm working hard and I got all this stuff going on and I've got a lot going on with my primary consulting client and, you know, in all this growth mode. And, and I realized that as soon as I found out that I swore my rotator cuff and I had to have surgery and I'm on this call with, you know, one-on-one call with my client's employee. And I, started like chest tight back tight couldn't breathe I mean I ended up in the emergency room all kinds of madness and I realized it was a panic attack and I thought back to when I left when I decided to leave corporate America I was like I made really good money like in corporate America but I was stressed overwhelmed overworked and I realized that that's kind of that drive is what's in me and that's what I ended up doing to myself as an entrepreneur but what was lacking was I didn't have that collective I didn't have you know somebody I that I can reach out to you know and that's where kind of female entrepreneurs solopreneurs you know are in that place where they don't have that network of people who can help them and support them so what coming out of it which this is like literally this month, I'm just kind of coming off of that sabbatical is where I decided I'm going to have retreats for these female mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. That's a part of the career chick click. It's twofold. One is the mastermind, a mansion mastermind. So we'll do an overnight in a mansion, two days. The first one is actually going to be on September 22nd, beautiful mansion in Florida. Um, September 22nd happens to be American Business Woman's Day. So it is okay. going to be awesome. And it'll provide them with that conscientious connection and ability to solve their biggest business problems, some intensive coaching, some relaxation and fun and in luxury. And, um, and I have a surprise guest who is an executive of Fortune 100 company that I'm not going to say her name, but she is the first woman and only woman of color who's ever sat at the table at the executive table of a fortune 100 company and she is going to be dropping some phenomenal gems and sharing with us so that is a it's it's an attempt not an attempt but it's a much needed opportunity for female entrepreneurs to have that conscientious connection Mm -hmm. along with growth and balance you know, because yeah. well-being is everything. You've got to be, you've got to take care of yourself if you're going to take care and grow a bit. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
That's that's very powerful. I appreciate you sharing that. You know, uh, one of the things that 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 I wanted to latch on that you talked about failure. Um, I think there's a lot of, and I don't know if this is just on the fanpreneur side. I think it's probably mm-hmm. a male uh, entrepreneurs too. But um, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about failure, and there's a lot of lack. There's a lack of education around failure, meaning that failure is essential uh, in entrepreneurship. Yeah. You have you will fail before you succeed. In fact, you're going to fail more times before you succeed. And uh, I think that 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 aspect of thinking about failure, I think it tends to psych people so much, because they look at failure, and they say, Okay, well, what if I fail, and I don't succeed? And it's almost like a uh, like a like it holds them back from their potential. But when you look at it from a reality standpoint, I think this is where education comes in, right? Mm-hmm. Is this that in life specifically, not just in entrepreneurship, you're going to fail. Yeah. It's no different than entrepreneurship. Yeah. I think it's just, it becomes sort of uh, an anomaly that gets put up on the pedestal and people look at it and say, failure. Okay. I'm going to fail. So I'm not going to start that business. I'm not going to pursue that idea Mm -hmm. because I'm afraid of failing. And I think as an entrepreneur, you'll have to be resilient. You'll have to understand that uh, when, when you wrap your mind around the fact that failure in business is no different than failure in life. Right. You're onto something. It's actually easier. It, <laughs> like that's it's, just said. And it's yeah. better to fail in business than in life, right? You know, sure. you know that you fail in life. But here's the thing about failure. It's so cool that you're talking about this because what if a baby decided that I'm not going to get up and walk or mm-hmm. try to walk because I'm going to fall? They'll never walk, right? right? Like you've got to start, like you, you're going to fall. So you've got to look at it differently. You can't look at it. And I tell my clients all the time, you can't look at what if I fail, right? You know, what is the cost of failure? The cost of failure, I promise you is less than the cost of success, right? So you should be asking yourself, what if I succeed? You're asking the wrong question talking about what if I fail you've got to fail you've got to be prepared to fail you've got to put failure in your plan right and what you do is you learn from those mistakes and you learn fast and you pivot and then you do something different that's an excellent point I think we can talk so much about success too uh as well maybe for a follow-up episode because I think you know I mentioned uh earlier on how much I think as humans uh, we are so conditioned into thinking about, you know, uh, conditioned into believing what we see, believing what mm-hmm. we hear, and not necessarily creating our own definitions uh, of things. Thinking for yourself, basically, and in essence, and I'm speaking to, you know, success, because let's face it, traditional success has been conditioned for us to think that it's money, houses, cars, bank accounts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, traditionally, that, that, that is what the definition of success was, right? You made a lot of money, uh, lived in a big house, drove one or more expensive cars. And, you know, there's, there's five, six, seven figures in the bank account. Life is good. But mm-hmm. what we're seeing now is more and more people are going from, like you, you made good money, you get a, made good living, but you weren't fulfilled. So that wasn't success, 
money right. wasn't success. Success nope. for you. So your definition of success is finding that fulfillment, which is helping people on a yeah. more personal level, which is how corporate and more personalized one-on-one entrepreneurial, you know, approach differentiates. Um, yeah. I, we could definitely talk more about success because I'm a huge <laughs> fan of, you know, everything that you mentioned about mindset and personal development, understanding, you know, your, your, your why and your purpose and fulfillment and find, finding what makes you happy. Not what right. others want you to do to make you happy, but what makes right. you happy. Right. Uh, but with that being said, before we wrap up the episode, you know, throw out some links, some websites, emails, whatever you can think of, handles, um, socials, uh, where people can connect, uh, uh, connect with you and, and have a conversation. Absolutely. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Sandy Inspirator. Um, so that's my handle for all four of those for my, you know, business brand, my personal brand, mm-hmm. but for the career chick brand, um, which is all newer, so to speak, uh, my podcast is career chick confidential. So I am on all the listening platforms. I have been on a sabbatical. So season one ended at the beginning of April and season two launches next week on the 15th. So every Tuesday morning it's released, but the change this, um, this season is, it's also going to be on video now. So it was on the audio season one, season two will be video. You'll find it on YouTube and then you'll find it also on my Instagram, which is career chick confidential. Um, so very, very excited about that. So email me, Sandy at sandysandersconsulting.com. You can call me 321-233-0941. Uh, you can reach me any kind of way okay. and um, would love, love to help. Like I said, I'm actually, because there's so many more people that ask me that may not be ready for coaching and intensives, but really want to get a blueprint on releasing um a good a book a guide called the magic leap blueprint and um that is how to monetize your passion and attract your ideal clients so that you can actually um get more clients than you can handle i turn away clients now so it's, okay. it's great so I'll, I'll share how to do that that's going to be released later this month and um like i said the uh the mansion mastermind is going to be september 22nd so if you're interested in applying to be one of the lucky six ladies then definitely reach out to me as well sandy at sandysandersconsulting.com or at career chick confidential or at sandy inspirator awesome well sandy thank you so much i absolutely enjoyed uh our conversation and you brought up so, so much value uh, congratulations on everything and the takeoff uh, of your business venture and finally doing things for the right reasons uh, where you you have found that fulfillment. And I'm excited to see what happens the rest of 2021 and beyond. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Ivan. I um, really, really enjoyed it. And I uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I gotta pick up the pace They throwin' shade but I'm gone You gotta keep it a buck to my face Taking that gang out of space Especially if you stay in your place They hating on all of my songs uh, I don't know what can I say They throwin' shots but I'm saved by his grace
Got it, so shoot on the lace. Running around, got me stoned, man. Feels like I'm stuck in the maze. Shoot at the obvious case.